0: Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We've lived almost all of 2022 under the shadow of war. A war that started on the 24th of February with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And although there has been little threat to our own safety, other than than maybe a slightly raised prospect of nuclear war, uh, our lives uh, have all been impacted in various ways. And how we long for peace. Not just there, but everywhere. Uh, How we long for peace in our world. Peace in our time. And of all times in the year, Christmas is the time when people speak most about peace. Today the King will give his first Christmas address to the nation. And I'm sure that peace will be one of the key words. I'm sure we can still hear the echo of, uh, of the late Queen wishing us a happy and peaceful Christmas. The 24th to the 26th of December 1914 was known as the Christmas Truce. It was a series of unofficial ceasefires along the Western Front during the First World War. Soldiers crossed enemy lines to talk, to exchange gifts and to sing carols. Some played football together in no man's land. The following year, however, ceasefires were not as widespread. And by 1916, with the war having become increasingly bitter... There was no longer any prospect of a Christmas truce. The idea of, of peace that Christmas time holds out, uh, at least as our world marks it, is largely a phantom. Even good King Wenceslas ended up being murdered by his younger brother. Yes the Bible tells us just a few chapters earlier in fact that people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and that nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. In fact, in the previous verse, Isaiah 9 and verse 5, uh, we read that the coming of this baby who will be born into the world will result in battle boots and military uniform being burned as they are no longer needed. And that's all true, it's all coming, but not now, not yet. Because true peace between men will only follow once we have peace with God. Uh, And that is first and foremost what this final title of our Lord Jesus is about. This morning we want to look at his title of Prince of Peace under two headings. uh, Saying firstly, our great need is peace with God. Our great need is peace with God. Wouldn't it be amazing if there were no wars anywhere in the world in 2023? People often pray for world peace, but imagine we actually experienced it. And yet if that did happen, how much difference would it really make to our daily lives? Probably very little. Most of us have lived through British involvement in Afghanistan, Iraq and other places. But it didn't impact our lives very much when the troops were there. Other than if those troops were loved ones to us. And then when the troops withdrew it brought no change to everyday life here. World peace wouldn't actually make that much difference to our daily lives why well because it wouldn't it wouldn't bring with it peace of conscience the the cessation of war wouldn't end family squabbles it wouldn't stop us being lonely it wouldn't bring an end to anxiety it wouldn't mean our our loved ones would stop getting sick the fact that there was no war anywhere in the world wouldn't stop people murdering and stealing uh, and so, while it is right and good to long for peace and to pray for peace in, in Ukraine and other places, the peace that we are most in need of is peace for our troubled consciences and, and true peace for our troubled consciences, because sometimes people can have on troubled consciences when they should have troubled consciences sometimes people can be at peace with the world and peace with themselves and yet they might be heading to a lost eternity they might be standing on the brink of hell and so what sort of peace is that? There is no peace says the Lord later on through Isaiah for the wicked there is no peace for the wicked and there is no true peace But that which comes from the Prince of Peace. And that peace doesn't come to all, though it is offered to all, it only comes to some. We began this morning singing Psalm 85. It says, The Lord will speak peace to his people and to his saints. Our big problem is that by nature we are no longer God's people. Ever since the Garden of Eden, the human race chose to rebel against God. Uh, And we see the effects of that rebellion down to this present day. Not simply in the fact that our world is broken, not not simply in the fact that that, that other people's lives are, are marked by the presence of sin, but our own lives are marked by the presence of sin. And so what we need is not just the end of, of war elsewhere in the world but we need the removal of the underlying cause of war and all pain and all suffering and that underlying cause is human sin. In other words we need peace with God and in particularly we need God to be at peace with us which can only happen if our sin problem is dealt with. And so that is why we so desperately need the Prince of Peace to come into the world. When Jesus was born the the sky was filled with angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. But that peace would come not simply by Jesus being born in Bethlehem that night but rather it would come through him growing up and going to the cross. He himself is our peace, says the Apostle Paul. And he made peace by the blood of his cross. Upon him, Isaiah would prophesy, was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. What a contrast there is in some ways between the manger and the cross, between our Lord's arrival into this world and his departure. There are many similarities of course. Neither the manger or the cross were places you would have expected to find a king. There within the manger lies he who made the starry skies Uh, both unexpected places to find the eternal Son of God Uh, and yet there were contrasts too Uh, when Jesus was born strangers were coming to visit him shepherds, wise men Uh, but when it came time for him to die even his own disciples would abandon him and isn't it the same today? People are happy to talk about a baby being born in a manger But not so much to talk about a man who died on a cross How many people have Christmas ornaments in their home right at this moment which say peace But they've no idea what it means that Jesus came to make peace by the blood of his cross Do you know what what that means? Do you know what it means? That on the cross the Lord Jesus would bear the wrath of God against the sins of his people. That as a result God might speak peace to us. If uh, and only if uh, we come to him in repentance and faith. If we come confessing our sins. Coming to church can 't give you peace with God, you know maybe in in the hustle and bustle of a big city, uh, people doing their last minute shopping someone might might go into a church, uh, not just because it might be warm uh, but but it might bring a sense of peace, a sense of serenity but but but, but that can 't uh, coming into a church being part of a church it can 't give us peace in our conscience, only Jesus can. And we come to church to hear about him. Only he can give that peace. But you need to ask him. You need to ask him. So have you done that yet? Boys and girls, have you asked Jesus to give you peace with God? Those of you who this morning are closer to the end of life than the beginning are you able to say with Simeon who who, who taking the the infant Jesus in his arms in the temple blessed God and said Lord now you're letting your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation he had seen Jesus and so he could leave this earthly stage in peace Uh, and we can do the same but if you don't know Jesus you cannot depart this life in peace Or if you do, it will be a false peace. Uh, Perhaps some of you haven't always been in a church where you're told that you need to repent and believe the gospel. But the Bible warns us that there have always been preachers who have said, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. And there is no peace with God apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But on the flip side, if you do know Jesus, then you know true peace with God. What an amazing thing. You know the weight of your sin and guilt lifted off your shoulders. And if you can remember the moment when you were converted, some of us can, some of us can't. But if you can remember that moment, uh, you can say, well, how precious did that grace appear? They are, I first believed. Uh, why, why did it seem so precious because Jesus had calmed the storm of sin and guilt swirling around you you'd known the conviction of sin uh, perhaps for a short time perhaps for a long time you'd known terrors of conscience you'd known that you weren't ready to die but, but he brought peace he, he said to that storm that was raging in your conscience peace be still What an amazing thing it is to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And for the Christian, that is always true. We always have peace with God, whether we feel like we have it or not. Our sense of peace with God can be stronger at one time and weaker at another time. But whatever 2023 will bring, you can wake up each morning and say with absolute certainty as a believer, therefore, since I have been justified by faith, I have peace with God. Not, not. I hope to have peace with God someday. Not, I. I hope to have done enough by the end of my life to atone for my sins. But I have peace with God here and now because the Prince of Peace won it for me on the cross. Our, our conscience may not always be at, be at peace, and. That could be a good thing uh, if our troubles are are rightly, our consciences are rightly troubled. uh, But even if we have sin that we still need to, to deal with and confess, as a believer we always have peace with God. In the words of of an old summary of the Bible's teaching, shorter catechism, question 36, uh, the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption and sanctification are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience and joy in the Holy Spirit, among other things. And, And that is what's on offer as a result of Jesus coming into the world. The wicked are never at rest. No matter how much stuff they might have under the Christmas tree, there will be a gnawing emptiness inside. But the one who knows the Prince of Peace is the one truly at peace. No matter what storms of life they may be facing. What if you're a believer this morning and you say, I don't have much sense of peace today. I'm so troubled by my sin. I know I'm forgiven, but my conscience is still troubled by what I've done in the past. I've I've confessed these sins, I've repented, but my conscience is still troubled. I I struggle to know this peace. Well, I would urge you today that if the blood of Christ was powerful enough to satisfy God let it satisfy you if the blood of christ was powerful enough to satisfy god the father let it satisfy your troubled conscience so firstly this morning our great need is to have peace with god which wonderfully we have in the lord jesus the prince of peace So that's our first point. The second of our two points, we see what peace with God brings with it. What peace with God brings with it. Last week we looked at the fact that the Lord Jesus is mighty God. Uh, And one of the applications I I made was that, that he won't drop us when it gets to the finish line. In the final moments of our lives, we may be racked with doubt, but he is stronger than our doubts. And there are Christians who are racked with doubt right at the end. But on the whole, Christians die with a confidence and a peace that unbelievers do not have. Because peace with God brings with it peace in the face of death. Peace with God brings with it peace in the face of death. And so God tells Abraham, As for you, you shall go to your fathers. In other words, you shall die in peace. You shall die in peace, Abraham. How was that possible? Because one day the Prince of Peace would come into the world. The one pictured in Abraham's uh, willingness to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac. Behold the upright, uh, we sang earlier, because the latter end of that man is peace. John Newton, uh, the the converted slave trader, he he became a minister uh, and he he was a man who, who had been at the deathbed of many a believer. And he once uh, summarised his experience of being at the bedside of believers in their final moments. And he said, though many of God's people have uncomfortable fears when they think of death, when the time for them to depart arrives, we seldom see them afraid of their summons. In defiance of pain and sickness, they are as sure of heaven as if they were already before the throne. There's a man who had been at the deathbeds of many, many believers. And he said, We seldom see them afraid of their summons, their summons to heaven. In defiance of pain and sickness, they are as sure of heaven as if they were already before the throne. Not because they can look back at, at a, a life well lived necessarily, but because the Prince of Peace came to make peace with God. <coughs> no amount of money can buy you that confidence in the face of death, but the Prince of Peace freely gives it. The unbeliever is unfit to die, but the believer is ready to go. So peace with God brings with it peace in the face of death. It also means freedom from anxiety. Freedom from anxiety. The book of Samuel opens with a barren woman pouring out her heart before God. Uh, That woman whose name is Hannah tells Eli the priest that she has been pouring out her soul to the Lord out of her great anxiety and vexation. Uh, And what does Eli tell her? He says, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. How anxious it makes us feel if we think the world is spinning outside of our control. If we feel that all our plans are going wrong. If we feel that our life is heading in a direction that that we didn't intend it to head and we don't really want it to head in. And yet, like Hannah, we can come into God's sanctuary and be reminded that he is in control uh, and that he is too wise to make mistakes, that he is too good to to needlessly hurt his people. Uh, We can be reminded of his control and we can go in peace. And perhaps that's all he's brought you here for this morning, uh, for the reminder that he is on the throne and so everything is going to be okay. Uh, to be reminded of the promise later on in Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What uncertainty and anxiety and apprehension we could have as we look out on a new year rapidly approaching what will it bring and yet if we know the prince of peace we can know the peace that he brings on every day of a new year In Philippians 4 we're exhorted do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God Uh, and what will happen if we do that? Well we're told that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and that peace of God is an offer to every single one of us today to tie it in with last week cast your burdens on the mighty God and you will know the peace of God because he is strong enough to bear those burdens he's the only one strong enough to bear those burdens and he will bear them for you knowing peace with God brings freedom from anxiety and then finally Knowing peace with God leads to peace with one another. Knowing peace with God leads to, uh, it must lead to peace with one another. How does the unbeliever live? Paul writes to Titus about their lives before they were Christians. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, Led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. A good description of many at this time of year. Passing our days in malice and envy. And he concludes, hated by others and hating one another. Hated by others and hating one another. How different the kingdom of God, which Paul says, consists of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit (coughs) peace is a fruit of the Spirit Uh, the the fruit of the Spirit which are primarily about our relationships with each other the Lord Jesus himself commanded us be at peace with one another In, in fact second only to the command to love one another the one another command which occurs the most often is to be at peace with one another the fact that we're, we're given that command so often tells us that it won't be easy. But it also tells us that it's really important. Because what message does it send to the world if we, we who claim to know the Prince of Peace uh, are not at peace with one another? The Lord Jesus, who who spent his first night on earth in a manger, he spent his last night on earth praying that his followers would be united so that the world might know that the Father had sent him. Our world is a cruel world. It is marked by backbiting, by envy, by divisions, by rivalries. As soon as our our children go to school, they work out that, that some people are just mean. And so Jesus prays that we as Christians would be different. Not just because it would be nice if everyone got along. But so the world would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So that people wouldn't look at us squabbling and backbiting and being concerned for our own reputations and say some prince of peace he is if that's how his people get on. You know, we, can, we can talk to people about evidence for the resurrection, things like that. But what will mean more to, to most folk is whether they actually see Jesus in us. So how can we make sure that, that we in the church are not just like the world, not just in each other's throats, uh, not just hurting each other as happens in the world? Well, the Bible's answer, it, it isn't simply, well, think nice thoughts about each other. It isn't come to church and maintain a dignified distance from your fellow Christians and, and don't be nasty to them to their face. Because Jesus didn't come to maintain a dignified distance from us. Rather, he came into this world to serve. And that must be our attitude to one another. There are only really two ways we can live alongside our fellow Christians. Paul sets them out for us in Galatians chapter 5, just before he lists the fruit of the Spirit. The two options are either we can serve one another in love, or we'll end up biting and devouring one another. Because if we're not looking outward at how we can serve others, then we'll start looking inward. And that's a recipe for disaster when it comes to peaceful relationships in the church. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian thinkers of the last century, said of hell, We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement where everyone has a grievance and where everyone lives in the deadly serious passions of envy self-importance and resentment whether we should take that as an uh, accurate depiction of hell it, the, the point is that these things are hellish this self-focus uh, why, why do people in churches fall out? it's rarely about doctrinal issues it's more well, well she didn't speak to me It's that someone who who thought they should be elected to a position of responsibility wasn't. It's that somebody didn't get their own way. It's that somebody feels they were overlooked. And maybe they were overlooked. But what do these things all have in common? It's a focus on self rather than the good of the body. And that's exactly what, what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to forget about the bigger picture. He wants us to forget about the glory of God. He he wants us to forget about Jesus' reputation and become consumed with our own. He wants the spiritual children of the everlasting Father to be squabbling with one another, even as they try and get the world interested in the Prince of Peace. Everyone is for peace in theory. I've never met anyone who said, well, well, I think peace is overrated. I think peace is a bad idea. Uh, but how few are committed to pursuing what our Lord called the things that make for peace. And yet on the cross, the Lord Jesus bought us not just peace with God, but peace with one another. And peace in its biblical sense, the word shalom, yes, it includes absence of conflict. But, but it's more than that. It's to be whole or complete. It's not just that we wouldn't be at each other's throats, but it's that we would have healthy, well-rounded relationships with one another. Are you willing to pursue that in the year ahead? So then, we've seen this morning that our great need is peace with God, because that is what will define us for all eternity and we've seen also the related blessings and benefits that flow from peace with God namely peace in the face of death freedom from anxiety that dominates those who don't believe in a sovereign God and peace with one another as part of a community where we don't need to pretend that we're better than we are and where we don't need to strive for our own status and it's all made possible by the coming of the Prince of Peace into the world. There is no peace for the wicked, not in this world and certainly not in the next, but there is overflowing peace for the believer and all because the Prince of Peace made peace for us at the cross. And so surely the cry of our hearts will be, come, let us adore him. Amen. Well, let us now come and adore him as we, we sing from Psalm 112b. Psalm 112, the, the B version, page 280. Psalm 112b, page 280. We'll sing verse 1 and then verses 4 and 5. Singing in verse 4 of the peace that the believer has even in the face of evil tidings. He or she can receive bad news uh, and yet their heart is steady, trusting in the Lord. And then in the final verse, they know peace in their relationships to others because they are outward looking rather than inward looking. With open hand, he offers to the poor. And of course, like all the Psalms, this one is true first and foremost of the Prince of Peace, the description of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Psalm 112b verse 1 and then 4 and 5, will stand and sing praise.